0: The Empire Podcast this week, we finally get to sing
1: Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen, Peter
0: Mullen, Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen, Mm -hmm. Peter Peter Mullen, Mullen. Peter Mullen, Mullen. Mullen. as the great Scottish actor Peter Mullen drops by uh, while Tina Fey and Paula Pell, Paula Pell, no, no, also drop by to talk sisters, uh, all that and more on the movie podcast that is intrigued by the idea of a film about Eddie Marsan, but isn't sure that Alexander Skarsgård is the right person to play him.
1: Uh, I think, uh, never mind, we'll get
0: to it. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast. This week as ever, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up, a woman whose commute to the office has been cut down massively recently since she started using TfL's new dragon hire service instead instead of bikes. Uh Uh-huh. You use a dragon. Right. It's Helen O'Hara, our geek queen. How are you?
1: I mean, how would that even work? I don't know how they'd feed them. Like, what would you You'd be worried about accidental burning and scorching. Mm. You know, don't get me wrong. I like the idea. I just think we need to workshop it a little bit more before we put it into
2: the it into the, the, dry, the dinosaurs in the Velociraptors in Jurassic World. Yeah. He, he, he kind of puts them through there. Sure, yeah. Into those...
1: Yeah, those but kind I mean of, that oh, yeah. would,
2: that's a Boris bike. But, but that scenario. went horribly
1: wrong, you know. And, and a they can't fly, and b they can't breathe fire, and c they're actually smaller than your average dragon. Although, of course, it depends yeah. on.
0: You'd get to work a lot quicker if you were riding a Velociraptor, wouldn't you? Though, know? I mean, people would just get the hell out of your yeah, way. Yeah,
1: that's that is true. I mean, you would risk losing an arm every time you got on or off the Velociraptor. I guess there's positives and negatives. Yeah, to Yeah,
0: and they're not going south of the river, mate.
1: <laughs> not this time of night. <laughs>
0: Next up you've just heard him is a man whose commute to the office has been increased considerably since he started using TFL's new Uh-oh. Battleship Potemkin Hire Service. But it didn't it's really finding it hard to um. get down the stairs. <laughs> <sighs> it's 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 our art house guru, Phil Yeah, Look, I wrote this in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Chris, no. it doesn't show. It, does, it doesn't show? Good. How are you, Phil? Boris Battleship. Boris Battleship. See, that that works. Mm. There's no alliteration kind of. with
2: velociraptors or dragons. You could have said oh. I travel in only using available light. So I'm usually <laughs> late. That's much better. Do you want me to go back and do that? No, it's not much better. They're,
0: they're all equally bad. Anyway, hi. Welcome both. Hello. Thanks. Welcome both. Hope you're well. Uh, let's kick off with a, a question. And this is a mm. question from Twitter from at Mr. Graham Pierce. He says, what happens if The Force Awakens isn't very good. Oh. Uh-oh. Um, um, he then goes on to say, you know, will it cause problems for the franchise going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. You know. I think
0: you're going to have to talk an awful lot of geeks off an awful lot of ledges if it's, <laughs> if it's not very good. <laughs> It'll just be people <laughs> clinging to the walls of a forbidden planet. Don't jump. Rogue One might be great. <laughs> and they'll go, yes, I mean, on reflection, Monsters was very good, but... Now I'm thinking about Godzilla. I don't know what to do.
1: (laughs) There's still civil (laughs) war to live for.
0: But I'm more of a DC guy. Um, yeah what happens what happens if it's not very good I think it doesn't matter a jot to the franchise if it's not very good I think I think it just carries on they make episode 8 and they have different filmmakers each time and
1: yeah and they try to make each one, each one better and better I mean they're going to do that in any case they're going to try and make each episode better and better because yeah. that's what you have to do now and I think that's what that's what Marvel and Pixar's consistent run of success has shown you have to put the effort in every single time to outdo yourself not just in terms of spectacle but in terms of story as well and I think you know that's what Universal have done with Fast and Furious that's what honestly I'm, I'm standing by that, that comment but you know it's, it's, I think that's the modern way they have learned that there is a value a proven value in making a good film and I think there's being a bit more effort to do that now mm. for most studios, for most filmmakers than just to give us spectacle. I think they realise that adding in a story massively increases your back end. So I think that they have already sweat, blood and tears which sounds like a really dangerous medical condition to make (sighs) The Force Awakens as good as it can be we've got to hope that that's good and I'm not really ready to contemplate (laughs) the possibility that it isn't
0: by this time next week by this very podcast next week Friday the 18th of December in the year of our Lord 2015 we will have seen in fact most of you will have seen I guess except for our American cousins probably we'll have seen The Force Awakens and so we'll be able to discuss it we'll be talking about it and you know will the bloom be off the rose Phil we're a few days away from watching it. Mm. What's your feeling? What's your gut feeling telling you? Hasn't JJ Abrams just revealed what the second word
2: of the film is? Is okay. it is? I don't. What was the first word? I've this. forgotten already. This. This. It takes such a long gap between the him announcing the words that I forget what the word before was. <laughs> this is.
1: I'm. D- I'm. Ge- I did don't you know. Say? Oh, you don't know. What? What is the second word? I from? don't know. Well, you brought it up.
2: I know. Which is weird in <laughs> reflection. I'm just thinking I'm just thinking. <laughs> the anticipation of finding out what the third word is. Well,
0: we don't know How, what the second word is. Where we get the
2: whole script? How long would this take at the current rate for us to find out what happens? I think they the are releasing movie? the film next week. Okay, so gonna... there's no time for that, that approach. We're going to have to see it for ourselves. I think this is going to be a really, really good film. I had a good feeling about it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. All the things that really hated about the prequels have been, I think, remedied. Hopefully, obviously, we don't know quite if the plot... Issues have been remedied, but mm-hmm. the visual candy land of those films we are moving away from. <laughs> so I've got a really good feeling about it, visually at least, and the, you know, it's got a great cast.
1: You've got a good feeling about this? Have you never paid attention to a Star Wars film? We're supposed to have a bad feeling about Never this. tell them the
0: odds. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: the second word, by the way, is will. This will.
0: This will. This will.
1: Really put the cat among the pigeons if yeah. it isn't any good.
2: Mm. This will. Speaking of the first line of things, this isn't strictly really relevant to what we're talking about, no, so apologies. Fine. Fine. Um, but I watched The Danish Girl last night, and there's a scene at the very beginning where Eddie Redmayne's character, at the beginning of the mm-hmm. film, is, is showing his art at a gallery, and the art dealer says that he wouldn't describe him as the best artist in Denmark, but he's in the top one. <laughs> is that not a Bill Shankly quote? Is it Brian
0: Clough? Brian Clough quote. Brian Clough. Right. Now, of course, who directed The, the Damned United? Tommy. About oh. Brian Clough? <gasps> Interesting. Okay. Did you
2: just think of that? Or I did that... just think of that. Right. Okay.
0: This is real-time thinking. journalism. Wow. Yeah, d- d- yeah, this is, Write it this, down, Chris. This is how it happens for me. Let's try this again sometime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? Thinking? <laughs> Perhaps when it comes
0: to, to writing your intro next week, I'll, I'll actually give it some thought. It Instead felt... of just going, Phil, uh, Phil, ooh, battleship, ba- Battleship uh, Potemkin, battleship that'll do. It felt really down. anachronistic, though, and I just felt,
2: I don't know. You want you don't want that in the first line of Star Wars. Well, but want- most people who
0: will be seeing the Danish girl won't have heard that Brian Clough quote. Okay, well, what was the actual quote? I wouldn't say I'm the best football manager around, but I'm the best. I'm, I'm in the, the best. The, I'm, I'm, in the I'm the in top, top one. one. Yeah. Yes. Got to love a bit of Cluffy. You don't think Graham Pierce is anything to worry about? The Force Awakens is going to be good. We we don't know this for sure. Yeah. Genuinely haven't seen it. So fingers crossed. If it isn't very good, it might make a dent in the box office the way that The Phantom Menace was being held as the biggest movie ever, 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 ever. And then the bloom came off the rose very, very quickly and it didn't get the repeat business set. I mean, it, it still was yeah. huge. Yeah,
1: it'll still be big, but it may not be but, yeah. a record breaker if it doesn't get the good reviews, the good mm-hmm. word of mouth as well.
0: But yeah, it's Star Wars. I think it'll, it'll still be a juggernaut.
1: As the current acting reviews editor on the magazine, if it isn't good, it's going to be uh, an interesting one to get reviewed. So... That'll be exciting. That'll be a challenge for next week.
0: My five-star review, Helen, is has, has been written for some time.
1: <laughs> yeah, Chris, that um, review... <laughs> it, it, you
0: may think it's just the Attack of the Clones review with the names changed. I mean, I mean it, you would be right.
1: that was the impression I had. Also, you used the word Zomga, which I'm not sure is really a word, like a lot. So, yes. I, I, you know, once I took those out, you were 800 words short of the word count. I mean, it was only an 850-word review.
0: <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Doing that's so that, that's great if you're trying to you know hit word count. Star Wars: The Force Awakens, directed by J.J. Abrams and starring Harrison Ford, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill. <laughs> you just list the actors. Uh, it was an old trick you used to do if you had, say, a hundred-word reviews to write. Of, <laughs> of TV shows <laughs> You would literally just go Well this is a great season Containing such uh, such great episodes As you would list the episodes And then go four stars <laughs> at the end of it But uh, that was back in the day
1: You would never I was,
0: I was young You needed
1: the work I, I was
0: young, naive and foolish I think you're okay Mr Grand Pierce, It's going to be fine We will be having a Star Wars The Force Awakens Spoiler special For those of you who have been asking It will involve four Empire idiots sitting around the table talking about the film whether we have anyone from the film to discuss it is up in the air at the moment we're hoping that we will but I can't reveal who it is just yet indeed but but keep your eyes peeled that'll be up 21st Monday the 21st of December all being well okay alright uh, if you want to have your questions read out in the Emperor Podcast, then do send them to us. We're on Twitter as at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Emperor Podcast. You can email us, podcast at empireonline.com. And you can Facebook us as well, which is a lovely thing to do if you have the Facebook. Next week is our last podcast of the year. <gasps> last regular podcast of the year. There will be sure. a review of the year special to come after that and the Star Wars special as well. So because it's coming up to Christmas, why don't you send us Christmas related questions? Hurrah! Do that do that and we'll get our teeth into those next week right time for a guest let's have it let's have it time now for our first guest he is one of our favorite people one of our favorite actors writers and directors he is a force of nature amazing in films like tyrannosaur and warhorse and a bit of a double whammy this month uh, he's in sunset song terence davies sunset song and this week he's in hector as well he is a man who has inspired as you've already heard an empire staple a karaoke and phil disemlin got the opportunity to tell him all about that uh, and he lived to tell the tale. It is, of course, the great Peter Mullen. Please enjoy the interview. P.S. Very sweary. Quite sweary. Very, very yes. sweary. Yes, he was too.
2: Aww.
0: Hey, hey. Mm. parental guidance. <laughs> enjoy. We're very pleased to be
2: joined on the Empire podcast this week by the one and only Peter Mullen. Peter, welcome. How you doing, brother? Really good. Thank you very much. We're here to talk predominantly about Hector, but we'll, we may sort of head off in other directions at some point but let's start with Hector in which you play the the title role and Hector is a homeless man who's kind of wrestling with an estranged family and a personal tragedy in his life. Now I understand from talking to the director that you've been talking about this project for a couple of years now. Can you just explain what the genesis was
3: of that? Originally uh, Jake sent the script and I read it, really liked it, we met up and it was all, all systems go really. And then there was some other projects came up and I had to make choices and all sorts of things. And I said, oh, look, something's going to have to give because it looked like I wasn't going to be able to do any of them. So Hector was one of the ones that went to the wall. And then they came back and said, look, is there any way you could do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we re-looked at the schedule and I said, OK, then we can fit it in. And then things went wrong with the producers. So long story short, exactly a year later from where we were supposed to be filming it, we filmed it. Right. So it was a long time in the happening. Jake Gavin is a
2: first time writer-director. Yeah. You obviously once a first time writer-director as well. Does that kind of encourage you to take a chance? Is there a sense of taking a chance on something that hasn't got a sort of IMDB page ready to go as uh, it were? Well?
3: Um, no, you get some actor dicks that talk that way. They talk about, <laughs> uh, or talk about chance because you'd never take this. I've never understood that mentality. I seriously, if a script's good and you like it and you like the director, I don't know if there is a big risk. I mean, if they're paying you the, you know, reasonable money. I don't know what the big risk is. I don't get it. Because I've worked with, I guess, guys who would be more experienced and very few, but all the directors I've worked with have been fabulous. But there's been one or two that have turned out to be complete wankers. I'll not name them. Go on. Nah. But they've, you know, they've, they've turned out to be complete, really fucking pricks. And they've got far... Not necessarily particularly well known, but they've directed four or five films. So I don't think they're taking a risk just because it's somebody's first time. I think they're taking the risk. They're taking the risk by casting you, they're taking the risk by having, you know, producers on their back because it's their first movie. You know, yeah. So, no, all the risk taken at things by the first time director, not not the actor. Oh,
2: know? that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I'm curious because as someone that directs as well and, and writes as well mm-hmm. as acts, and you've worked with some incredible directors in your career. Obviously, yeah. Ken Loach springs to mind. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stevie, I, I yeah, believe Stevie, you were. Stevie. Stevie. Stevie
3: and Danny Boyle. And, and Danny Boyle, and yeah, yeah and yeah. Yeah. you've
2: worked with so many fabulous directors. Yeah. I imagine somewhere along the line, you know, it's easy for you to say, I was impressed by this and mm-hmm. I maybe assumed uh, adopted some of those ideas into mm-hmm. my mm-hmm filmmaking, but are there any things that you've seen that you've been like, those are obvious mistakes that you want to avoid as
3: a director? Well, I would never say there were mistakes but what happens is, is every director every good director, they've got their own way of doing things and they, and they bring their own personality to it. So there'll be some things that you can look at as an actor and go, God, that's an amazing way of working, but would it suit your personality to work that way? Long before I was ever directing, I was I worked in community theatre and I used to take a whole range of disparate groups from folk who were unemployed to folk who had uh, physical and and mental disabilities to uh, kids in borstos, prisoners in in, in adult jails. And what you learn, what a guy in community theatre told me one time, was every class will have its own personality, and the personality will, will primarily come from you. So whatever you bring to it will determine what the class is like. And that's very true in film. What I've found it very true in film is when I watch... Anybody who is from opposite ends of the spectrum. If you like Ken Loach at one end, Mel Gibson at the other, it was still very much and Steven Spielberg. It, it's still their personality that's coming through. They determine how the feel of a film, how the day is going to go, whether they, how they work with their DP, how they work with their crew, how they work with their actors. It's their personality. Speaking of Mel Gibson, mm. Braveheart is huh? the
2: name of the dog yeah. in this movie, Hector. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's straight. So yes, I thought yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought maybe that was your idea. I thought <laughs> maybe the dog. Oh, I would never suggest a gag <laughs> That bad. <laughs> no, that was Jake's doing. Was it? I, well, I,
3: would, I, I would never suggest a gag as bad as that.
2: Well, alongside the Braveheart, who's one of the sort of one of the group of Hector's mates, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Hector is given these high vis jackets, mm. which mm. he is kind of an ever present costume choice in the movie. Yeah. And Jake mentioned that one time after you wrapped, you popped to an off-license wearing the the jacket?
3: Oh, I would imagine I popped to an off-license every time it- <laughs> <laughs> the minute you say it happens, I'll go you
2: a I haven't finished the anecdote. He mentioned that he mentioned that uh, someone recognised you. Do you remember this? Somebody recognised you and tried to give you a fiver and thought well, maybe you'd fallen on hard times. <laughs>
3: no, I don't remember that, but it would make sense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he did say that you're know you you're something of a local hero in Glasgow um, and that you didn't have
3: to buy many drinks in the pub. No, I know he's got this idea. No, it happened. I think once him and I had a beer and some guy said, no, let me get that. but quite rightly Jake assumed that oh god this must happen to you all the time I wish to fuck it happened to me all the time no it doesn't it doesn't I pay for my own drinks
2: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough this is it got a Christmas flavour to it as well as Hector winds his way south doesn't he from Scotland to Liverpool and then down to London where he meets up with some old friends in a shelter over the Christmas period did you have any kind of conversations or experiences of what that thing is like that particular environment because it's one time of the year when when homeless people kind of
3: Mm. find a kind of a surrogate family no no I've never my sister worked a lot in homeless charities when she was younger so I got to know a bit about it through that and obviously I'd been homeless myself a couple of times when I was younger but the, the that that shelter, that charity that Sarah runs in the in the film, the wonderful Sarah. No, I'd never I'd never spent a, a night in there or an evening. But I know Jake. That's where he got all his ideas for the film from. He'd done that, and it seems there is a sort of, from what I could gather, there was a sort of you, there is that fairly obvious sense that you know you're going you're going to rally round when this is your one three four days. Of comfort, and you're all going to go your own ways. It's not like everybody's going to, you know, we're not going to set up home together, you know. But I'd imagine that in that circumstance, is that there's a, a certain uh, peace on earth kind of feeling about it. I guess, I mean, I'm guessing this, and that's certainly what's in the film, you know. But then maybe it's a pile of bollocks. Maybe Jake's just made it all up. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have a favourite Christmas movie? Are you someone that sits
2: down on Christmas Day and, and watches? Oh, yeah, oh, Miracle but, on 34th oh, Street
3: yeah yeah yeah. well it was always for me as a kid it was always wonderful life but i was i know it's the the standard one but it still takes some beating i mean my kids my kids are are saying now elf is their favorite one which is fair enough that's their generation Miracle on 34th i saw that when i was a kid but i don't think anything's really quite beaten wonderful life i have to say for me yeah that's a very very solid choice indeed now in cinemas this week as of Friday as
2: of today in fact is a Peter Mullen double bill you've got two choices I and I wanted to ask you you've got Sunset Song by the great Terence Davis Aye. and Hector Aye. by the great one day Jake Gavin yes. um, and uh, I wonder what order people should watch them in <laughs> oh
3: god alright no. well if you want the Peter Mullen double bill well, I, gonna I, be? well first up I want to get back to Glasgow in time so that there's two posters in the cinema with my face on them because that's cool that doesn't happen to an old guy like me. I don't get that chance very often. <laughs> so I really get on the, on the poster of a film. So I really want that, and I want to get to Glasgow. And I just really hope that the cine world have them side by side, because Glasgow's got an enormous cinema. I think it's the biggest in Europe. And that's my first hope. Call me Selfies and Shallow. I want those two posters. What would I recommend you see first? I would go Hector first, then Sunset Song, only because... Hector's a lighter movie it's um, a brighter movie and I would watch that first and then go for the heavy duty Sunset Song and then again you might want to go the other way which is a heavy duty Sunset Song to be lightened by the Hector a Peter Mullen palette cleanser perhaps. I don't know about the Peter Mullen shit but in terms of <laughs> in, terms, in, ter- in terms of the movies yeah. I would go personally I'd go Hector first and Sunset Song both being very well
2: reviewed and I guess uh-huh. showcases of I mean you know I first encountered you in Shallow Grave right. way back when which uh-huh. is just still a devastating brilliant movie and
3: you're scary as all hell in that film I've, um, I've, I've, I don't remember Shallow Grave that well I, I, I saw it once I'm asking hey, excellent I knew I was scary in that one I, is he not kind of cool dude that doesn't he's more he's more sinister isn't he more sadist sinister, sinister. He, you torture people quite a lot ah, that's just part and parcel do I? I mean it's just that's well, movies I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's only you and I'm doing it to it's McGregor you can take it true she she is, true 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 alright
2: well okay one of your benevolent characters in Shallow Grave <laughs> should we say but you do have a, you know an on-screen presence a ferocity in, in films like Tyrannosaur in particular, recently, which oh, is an phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're an actor who's also not afraid to say my character is an asshole. A lot of oh, actors yeah. will say, oh, he, yes, but,
3: ah, but, ah. also, you know, Hitler, but, yeah. you know. No, no, I don't. I don't you don't like do that. I don't like it. I, I, I never see any reason for it. If, it doesn't mean you say you're making somebody a, a non-human being, but you're perfectly entitled as yourself to look at whoever you're being asked to play and say he is X, Y, and Z he's a sadist, he's shallow, he's self-pitying, he's whatever it may be doesn't mean to say that when you play him you don't give him the necessary elements of your own humanity but I'll be fucked if I play anybody for sympathy because you can play anyone and make them sympathetic including Hitler, Stalin and Mao Zedong, you know, you just put the strings on it and put it in the right context and you can play them for sympathy, so it's an extremely dangerous thing to be doing what you've got to try and do is be you know be honest about it as in you're not denigrating the art of acting quite the opposite it's like you're having to portray someone whether you like them or not to an audience and at least ask for understanding rather than ask for sympathy I hate that I hate watching a performance that's you know at the minute they're begging for your sympathy they're really begging for the fucking Oscar that's the truth it's like please you gotta love me give me that fucking Oscar (laughs) if not an Oscar give me a golden globe for fuck's sake when you get that kind of shit I just switch off but if someone's honest enough to stand up and say look you may find this particular character absolutely you know abhorrent but I will give you an honest portrayal of them that I really enjoy
2: a special place in my heart for, for one of your rogues is Sid in Children of Man <laughs> who's a particularly oily <laughs> piece of work excellent He's he looked
3: like a lot of fun to play the Fuji face that, oh, the I don't Fuji know if you created stuff. the Fuji I would face I have done more of that if, if Alfonso had allowed me to I remember I did I did do more but I didn't realise he was going to do the whole fucking thing in one take so I was doing loads of Fuji face stuff <laughs> and Alfonso said could you make it a bit tighter and I was so disappointed I thought oh shit he hates my Fuji's face stuff but he didn't tell me it was all in one take so he had nothing to cut away to I thought he was going to cut in and do reverses and all that so the minute well the minute he said that's it now let's move on to the next scene That's when I realised why he needed a much tighter version. But the best laugh in that one was, I don't drive, I don't have a licence. So the first time he's driving Clive and Alfonso and the rest of the gang, he's driving them in this big truck and I have to play someone who's such a fascist lunatic. He doesn't care if he hits anything because he's going to win that battle. And he doesn't care if he hits anyone. So he spends most of his time looking over his shoulder. So we shot that for real. It's not an A-frame. We shot it on a real car. Alfonso was the only one in the car who knew that I didn't drive. Everybody else thought I was a driver in the real world. So in the pretend world, I am an incredibly confident driver because I'm I'm playing a pretend character. But Alfonso knew that I don't have the skills, which is not the case. I do have the skills. I just don't have a driver's license. And uh, and I was driving like a maniac, looking over my shoulder, principally uh, Clive. And all I could all I could see was just by Clive's eye line was Alfonso just getting whiter and whiter he was just <laughs> petrified and then a couple of times when I turned around as a director he pointed like look at the fucking road he was pointing look at the road and, I, and I'm in character so I'm giving it I don't give a flying fuck you know so I'm just driving. so that was that, that made Sid very memorable for me does clive owen now know that you don't drive he felt a oh, poor darling he found out i started laughing about it i think after take when alfonso said that's it that's when i revealed that i, I didn't drive and they were not that amused
2: what did your kids say when you told them you were going to be in harry potter as a death eater
3: i did it for my kids so they said oh wonderful and um, when do we go and will we meet daniel <laughs> and and also, My daughter, who's fourteen now, still has a problem with Alan Rickman because Big Alan decided to stay in character. So she was ten year old and petrified. Hello, he was like, "My name's Snape." And that's a terrible person. He's now. She still, she's still terrified of him. When are you going to be in Game of Thrones? They asked me to do it, or they asked me to go down and meet them for it, and I said no. Oh, well, really? Why? And I'm not a big fan. Don't like it. You've done some great armour work. I've done a fair bit of armour yeah. work, yeah. Not a fan of Game of Thrones. No. no. Nah, doesn't didn't do it for me at all.
2: Okay. Is it true you auditioned for The
3: Hobbit? I did. I did. I auditioned for. God, I can't remember the character's name, but I did. I, I put down a tape and I remember thinking, oh, I'm in with a shout here. And it never happened. Sunshine on Leith, you sing. I know. The proclaimers. How do you define singing? How was that? Did you enjoy that? I had a ball. I loved it. I mean, I wouldn't listen to it, but I had, an absolute, <laughs> I had a ball doing it. Absolute ball doing it. I had a great time. Did anyone buy you a drink in an Edinburgh pub during the filming of that? Aye, aye, they did actually. There go I, And a few, a few folk have actually, you know, said reasonably uninsulting things about the voice. <laughs>
2: there's a bit of a Tom Waits quality a to a it. Thing,
3: there's a thing yeah.
2: going on. There's, there's a thing going on. I have a final thing to, to tell you, and I hope you won't be mad about this. It's One an Empire two, tribute yeah. that we do, that we've done, that actually predates Sunshine and Leaf, which is that when we do karaoke en masse, we sing I Would Walk 500 Miles. Oh, wow. And in the na-na-na bits, we replace the na-na-na with your name.
3: Oh, I heard about this. Have you yeah, heard yeah. about this? How did I you heard, hear about this? I don't this? know. Somebody told me about this. Wow. I don't know. It works yeah. perfectly. How does it What do you say then? So I would walk five hundred and no 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 yeah Peter Mullen Peter Mullen <laughs> and then we just <laughs> kind of go from
2: there I don't <laughs> know to be Where I don't it come from? it's a celebration no. of you more than anything oh, of, course. Um, of course and I guess I want to walk away with your blessing for you our Christmas it. karaoke you have it indeed Peter Mullen there you go it's all about you Peter <laughs> Hector is out this week <laughs> Sunset Song is in cinemas as well
0: thank you so much for talking mm, to pleasure, us brother, pleasure pleasure <laughs> I'm so glad that I couldn't be there to see you explain <laughs> that we use his name in a karaoke song. Yes. yes.
1: In vain, yeah. No, not use it in vain. It's a tribute. <laughs> it is a tribute. It's an
0: absolute tribute. He
2: seemed okay with it, though. I just loved it when he went, someone told me about this. I was like, <laughs> who?
0: Who told you about this? I have people. It. He is an awesome, awesome dude. We'll be talking about Hector later in the, uh, in the show. But first, let's have some movie news. Yeah. What's, what's the haps?
1: There have been a lot of trailers this week. Now, I don't want to discuss these at length, because obviously, you know, trailers, visual, us, audio doesn't massively work. Mm-hmm. But we should mention, you should go and have a look on Empire. We've got trailers for Grimsby, the new Sasha Baron Cohen film with mm-hmm. Mark Strong.
0: I've got high hopes for that one. Uh, I really do. And the first, by the way, just trying to yeah, interrupt, please. but the first interview with Louis Leterrier and Mark Strong about that film is in the new issue of Empire. Well, there you go. At the moment. Pick that um, up. And Louis Leterrier makes very bold claims about that film in the new issue of Empire. He says there are things in Grimsby that have never been committed to film before. <laughs>
1: I, I actually, given the people involved, slightly dread to think what those things might be.
0: <laughs> but okay. He, he does say there are lots of fluids, shall we say. Okay. But it's a tight 90 minutes and it's got your man, Mark Strong. My man, Mark you Strong. Like, you like him? Yes. He's in it as the world's greatest secret agent, Sebastian Graves. I'm hopeful about this very excited I think it's going to be one. insane
1: we also had the teaser trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Out of the Shadows so let's I'm also on. hopeful
0: for this are you? that will also
2: feature things that have never been committed to film before
3: <laughs> <laughs> and should
1: never be committed <laughs> to film that is um, also true it's got it's got Let's, let's talk it's,
0: positives. It has, okay.
1: it, has it. it has It has the arrow in it It has has the arrow in it You were disappointed He
0: didn't take his shirt off
1: I mean I wasn't disappointed I just thought There, sh- there would be some kind of equality Given that Megan Fox and Megan Fox was sort of Tying her shirt up In a was Britney Spears manner
0: I didn't notice that bit You didn't? No
1: Oh
0: You um, seem to have
1: it on repeat at Did one I? Point. <laughs> yeah it was That's kind of weird
0: my, my phone's glitching uh, A lot recently okay. And you know Will Arnett's in it That's you know. true Yep. Yeah, unless of course it was like a Bowfinger situation, he doesn't know they were filming him. (laughs) But there's something to look forward to if you like teenagers and mutants and ninjas and turtles.
1: I mean, I like at least three of those things. Anyway, also in Mm -hmm. cinemas there's the teaser for the BFG, it doesn't give much away, but it was one of my favourite books as a kid and it's Steven
0: Spielberg and Mark Rylands. Bloody friendly Jerry.
1: I think they go for big friendly giant but I guess that's an alternative and maybe he is called okay. Jerry
0: the second trailer in recent weeks to have mm-hmm. a bit where a giant reaches a hand through a bedroom window to grab the film's protagonist after uh, Juan Antonio Bayona's A Monster Calls have that you seen the trailer true, for that? yeah have you seen the trailer for that yet? no I'm really excited about that film yeah it's going to, It's out in the latter part of the of the year it's based on the astonishing novel by Patrick Ness which absolutely broke me in two hell of a writer um, uh, if you've read the book, uh, he's really an incredible good. writer. Uh, I love him. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, if you haven't seen the trailer for A Monster Call, weirdly, it doesn't seem to have got a lot of publicity, but it is out there. Liam Neeson as a giant tree creature. I'm on board.
1: And finally, I think in the trailer roundup, Alexander Skarsgård is the legend of Eddie Marsan. Oh, sorry, Tarzan.
0: Oh, Tarzan. Tarzan. Oh, that makes much more sense. It does
1: make a bit more sense. He stars opposite Margot Robbie as Jane and Christoph Waltz as Bad Guy. I believe that's Christopher his name Christopher Waltz is a bad guy. I know. It's never been done. They're taking a risk, but I think they might just get away with it. He is actually <laughs> technically he's Captain Leon Rom and he's Belgian. Or is he? That's a good question. Mm. No, he is.
0: Okay. And um, Sam Jackson's in it too. Samuel
1: L. Jackson's in it. Jimon Hunso's in it. Simon Russell Beale John Hurt. So exciting cast. Quite a lot of CG apes as mm-hmm. far as we've seen so far. But it looks to be action packed. And I didn't mention abs once.
0: Well done, Helen. You, this is your first step to recovery. <laughs> you're doing well. <laughs> the six-step programme. <laughs> <laughs> the six-pack six programme. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so I'm really disappointed that it's actually not about Eddie Marsan, but uh, but there you go.
1: Well, you know, we, we live for the legend of Marsan.
0: And the other trailer is out this week, yep. which is actually not out at the time of recording it, but will be out, hopefully, by the time you're listening to it, is X-Men Apocalypse. The first, the first trailer for X-Men Apocalypse it hits tomorrow which is Friday which is Friday which is today sorry and I spoke to Brian Singer the director of X-Men Apocalypse for one of our patented exhaustive trailer breakdowns I spoke to him for quite a while about it and got a lot of really interesting stuff so uh, check out the website for that and I don't think I'm officially allowed to comment on the trailer just yet because I signed something scary but that's happening so do check out the website Mm -hmm. and the trailer's good (laughs) Sue (gasps) me Sue me please don't sue me right
2: (laughs) I love it when you've got something important you want to share but you're embargoed it's like (laughs) it's like someone's pumping you full of air and you're just getting (laughs) oh and I'm just gonna pop you now
0: don't pop me no
2: sorry Chris I won't I've got just something that I wanted to mention a film called Felt It's about Deep Throat. Sounds like porno, it's It's not. It's
0: the one about
1: Watergate rather than Watergate Deep Throat, not Porn Deep Throat.
2: Exactly right. It's about a man called Mark Felt. We know the story of Watergate from All the President's Men, Hal Holbrook played Mark Felt in All the President's Men in this film it's Liam Neeson stepping into their shoes and it's a story oh. of the guy who was within the FBI who had the smoking gun evidence that the Nixon administration had broken into the Watergate Hotel eventually brought the whole shooting match down the White House under Nixon sort of imploded from there his identity was a secret for a very very long time and I think this film has just added Micah Monroe to its numbers we don't know who she's playing but we love her from The Guest mm-hmm. and it follows which is terrific Jason Bateman plays Charlie Bates, an FBI agent who's an underling of Mark Felt, and he has to sort of grapple with whether or not to reveal that his boss is doing something sort of illegal but not necessarily immoral. So that's kind of where this is set. And uh, it's directed by Peter Landersman, who made that film Parkland. He about did. The JFK
0: assassination a couple of years back. And the forthcoming Concussion with Will Smith. So he's very much a uh, sort of go to guy for, for true life picks. I thought Parkland was really middle of the road stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm hearing good things about Concussion. Good.
2: Well, this seems interesting to me. I just think it's an interesting subject matter and Mm. I can see it as being a good role for Liam Neeson, you know, a taciturn man in a difficult situation done that before. Yeah. All the President's Men is obviously the definitive story of this from the journalist point of view but I guess this is more from within the FBI which we haven't seen before. Yeah. It's such a big story and there seems to be a first for telling sort of stories about journalism. Obviously you've got Spotlight coming out. There's probably... And Truth. Thank you so much. There's, I was going to say there's probably at least one more hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'll keep you on this one. But Mike Monroe, I think is an actress of real talent so it's good to see her joining something different.
1: Speaking of actresses of real talent there were reports this week that Rebecca Ferguson will return for Mission Impossible 6 which is excellent, excellent news as far as I'm concerned.
0: It's very good news and I'm thankful that it happened the day after our Chris Macquarie spoiler special podcast went up. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm glad because if it had been released before that spoiler special came out it would have been True. it would have seemed out of date. That's true. So so thank you. I don't think it was actually deliberately delayed, but thank you for not revealing that before the special came out. And by the way, I know I sound like a snake oil salesman, keep pointing people towards different podcasts, but if you haven't heard the Chris McQuarrie Mission Impossible Rogue Nation spoiler special, it's two and a half hours long, but trust me, it's, it's worth it if you have the time. And if you don't have the time, make the time. And if you don't want to make the time, then that's entirely up to you. But it's very, very good.
1: Indeed. I just want to mention two more quick things very, very fast. First of all, there's going to be a new TV series based on Joe Hill's Nosferatu, Mm -hmm. which is a very, very scary book, and therefore I am quite excited about that. It's also kind of an interesting one because uh, the baddie lives in essentially Christmasland, but he's really bad. So that will be an interesting one to see as it approaches screens. And keeping it in the King family, Idris Elba is apparently in demand uh, to play the gunslinger. In the Dark Tower series. What? Yep.
0: Really? Yep. This is news. This is news. Hang on, this, is, this is news happening to be right now. This is what news feels like. <laughs> Chris, you've been news. Ellen, tell me more.
1: Well, the last we heard was Matthew McConaughey had been offered his pick of the roles in the Dark Tower series. It's an enormous thing to try to adapt, frankly. And they're talking about a franchise that will appear on big and small screens. So you get the scale, but also the kind of the development and the time you need to tell this story. So we've got a director in Nikolai Arsell, We've got producers, Ron Howard, Brian Glazer, Akiva Goldsman. They are now apparently trying to get Idris Elba to play Roland Duchesne. So how do you feel, Chris? I know you're a very big fan of the series.
0: That is very interesting. I've never been able to picture Roland in my head. I just know when the casting doesn't feel right. I didn't think it felt right when, when Javier Bardem was linked with this role. Really? It didn't feel right to me. Huh. This feels more right. All right. I'm intrigued. I still think they, this is such a difficult series of books to adapt. I'm worried about the outcome. But yeah, Idris Elba, a f- fantastic actor. And why not? Why not? Yeah, something about bar Bardem it just didn't click for me at all with that character. This is better. So the idea is still a TV series, couple of, at least two or three films. I mean, some of the stuff that happens in The Dark Tower, how they are going to do it? Because it's so metatextual. Yeah. So they're going to take all that stuff out. There's a Salem's Lot character who shows up at one point. So how do you do that? Stephen King himself shows up as a character at one point. How do you do that? You know, there's tons of stuff. I mean, it's, it's Yeah.
1: It could even link up to Nosferatu, actually, because there are links between the Stephen king Mm. if you will, and and that book, which I won't go into too much. But, yeah, it's a... To call it sprawling would be an understatement. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and so- it's, it's it's
0: unlike anything any fantasy thing I think Hollywood has ever attempted because it's not. You think of fantasy, you think of Lord of the Rings, you think of Warcraft, you think of orcs and Middle Ages, and and this is not that at all. I mean, there's an element of that at some point, mm. but there's also gunslingers and the Wild West and the future and uh science fiction and evil trains and going from dimension to dimension and it's an extraordinary extraordinary work over seven books at first and now more stuff as well i just don't know how they're going to do it Casting as dizel is a good start
1: all right so that's it i think then for
0: that's news it. yeah there's a uh, tons of stuff as well ant-man's got two writers oh, yes. hasn't it mm. it's got
1: it does it has well
0: ant-man and the wasp sorry.
1: ant-man and the wasp yeah the, the sequel has its writing team so it's going to be led by we believe Andrew Barrer and Gabrielle Ferrari, apologies mm-hmm. if I've in any way mispronounced those, they did uncredited work on the first film during shooting. They were the on set team. They were the on set team. Yeah. So they're going to work with Paul Rudd and Adam McKay on the story. And then, as we understand it, Adam McKay goes back to, you know, the big short two or whatever he's got coming up next, um, which is basically anything he wants, I think, after that film. And Barrer, Ferrari, and Rudd will then work on the full script so that's a uh, you know pretty good lineup. It's,
0: yeah, good line-up and you know it'll be interesting to see what those guys do because obviously the last film was developed in such a tumult that Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish the script was still knocking around yeah. it was still formed a big part of the script that came to be they were rewriting it on set Rod and McKay locked themselves away in a hotel room and you know all, all these different influences and then things changed during production so hopefully with a bit more of a run-up they might be able to achieve something great with this so Fingers crossed, Phil. Anything else? No, I think that's pretty much pretty much
2: the size of the news pod. That is the size of the news You've pod. Just given a thorough stirring, too.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Let's have our second guests, shall we? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it, Tina Fey. Again, it's a wonderful thing about doing this podcast. You just get to talk to your favorite people. It's amazing. Although I'm not the one to get to talk to her in this case, but Tina Fey is phenomenal. Saturday Night Live, Thirty Rock, Liz Lemon. Helen, upon whom I think you're based. Is this is, this this is right?
1: true. I yeah. am actually based on Liz Lemon. Yep, I did not exist before 30 it's, Rock.
0: It's so weird. So weird. And on the on the big screen as well, the likes of Date Night, Baby Mama, with her good friend Amy Poehler, and now the two of them are back in Sisters, which is out this Saturday. It's a raucous comedy in which they play, finally, Sisters. It feels so right. Tina Fey was in London this week and she brought with her her long friend and Sisters screenwriter Paula Pell. The newest member of our team, John Nugent, went along to speak to them. Do enjoy. Please welcome to the Empire
4: Podcast, the star and writer, respectively, of Sisters, Tina Pei and Paula Pell. How are you?
5: Hello. Good. How are you?
4: Wonderful. Great. Um, first of all, uh, Tina, I believe, congratulations are in order. I heard you propose to Amy Poehler at the yeah, Sisters premiere. I did. Premiere.
5: <laughs> I did. We, we are already common law married, <laughs> but I just wanted to- They have squatters' rights to each other. Make an honest woman of her. She said no but I did propose.
4: <laughs> well, we're obviously here to talk about Sisters. It's a movie about a party. It's a party movie, a sort of high school reunion. Yes. Uh, you're both Saturday Night Live alumni. Was it a sort of SNL reunion for you as well on set?
5: It really was, because Paula and Amy and I have worked together for so long there, and Maya Rudolph and Rachel Dratch and Kate McKinnon and Bobby Moynihan. and Is there anybody else that's... Oh, well, even like John Lutz, who's a writer there, yeah, is in the Lutz. film. It was a, It was a reunion of old friends from... SNL and other places
6: and this year we had our 40th anniversary of the Mm -hmm. show so we had had a big reunion at SNL this year with all of our old friends after shooting this for a whole summer in Long Island so these last two years have been really full of reunions kind of getting sick of each other now
4: <laughs> that that looked like a crazy day the, the 40th anniversary i mean yeah you, were there any was, good uh,
5: um any anecdotes? it was really fun it was um, so fun
6: i was offered marijuana by a very famous rep singer <laughs> <laughs> but i was already high so i didn't have any um, and i
5: was stone cold sober
6: <laughs> stoned comma cold, cold sober. comma <laughs> sober question mark <laughs> sober i was stoned. Answer no <laughs> Barely. Um. <laughs> I'm
5: sorry, Paul is just having a, a just, samovar
6: uh, of soup. I just had a little bit of my lentil soup. <laughs>
5: it's funny, because they can't. Very smell You're not
6: really I'm, having I'm soup. I'm eating crab bisque in here. We're in a closet, and I'm a, eating crab bisque.
5: The side of roquefort cheese. <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh, lord. <laughs>
4: Obviously, this is a party movie. Did, mm-hmm. did it feel like a party on set? Was alcohol allowed on set?
5: No, we weren't really drinking, except I was shooting a scene. There's a scene in the movie where my character, who's not been drinking, gives up and decides caves in and decides to have a drink. And um, in one take, I went over to the bar area on the set, and there were 50 bottles replaced with water. And we were rolling in the, middle of the take, and I grabbed one that I am supposed to open one and down it, and I grabbed one and opened it and when i turned it i heard click 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 and i was like oh no <laughs> i've inadvertently grabbed a real one but we're rolling and so i took a very big shot of what turned out to be cinnamon tequila Ugh,
4: wow um, so i didn't know that existed and it
5: was this i didn't it either. shouldn't exist and i kind of liked it but it was the cinnamon part that kind of threw me because mm. i was like no, okay i'm actually gonna drink a real tequila here but it's but, cinnam- by the third one it didn't bother
6: you though by
5: the but third, third nude d- down, <laughs> unexpected cinnamon is also my stripper name. <laughs> very very ginger
6: puke. Very gingery, and it's unexpected because it's it's brighter than, than cinnamon. Yeah, it's fluorescent. Paula, what's your stripper name? My stripper name is quantity, <laughs>
5: <laughs> but it's it's spelled like Q U A N Q U A N T I T T Y quantity. That's really
0: good.
4: Yeah, quantity. Wow, we're, we're learning a lot. This is yeah. great. What I thought was really interesting about this movie is it, it sort of shows the side of parties that are quite stressful. I mean, it's <laughs> yes, it can be quite a stressful thing to host a party. Have either of you had a party that's gone disastrously wrong in your past?
5: I never threw any parties like that in my parents' house. I've been to a few. I went to a I remember a Chicago uh, improv community party once where somebody somebody. I had a, brought a friend. Like, I think of like, who's that guy? And I was like, oh, that's uh that's Raj's friend, Cheese. And then, it, but then the word started to spread the party, like, guys, Cheese has a gun. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. Cheese has Cheese a gun. Cheese
6: has a gun is an Aerosmith song, isn't it? <laughs> Cheese has a gun. Cheddar has a gun. Um, I, I had mostly slumber parties when I was growing up and sometimes we got in trouble for some of the boys like showing up at the slumber parties but when I was at Saturday Night Live we used to have a writers party up in the writers room every year on the Thursday before our, our finale and we would always they would put oh. they would put yeah. beer signs up they would you know really decorate the hell out of it and it was so fun and we would have you know someone DJing and and we We did that uh, one year, which was the last year we ever were allowed to do it. And it was one of those very high school feelings by the end of the night where there's a big writer's table, which we had been playing slip and slide on, which inspired (laughs) in the movie The Slip and Slide, pouring punch on there and slipping across the entire thing towards a very rickety window in 30 Rock that, you know, you could have just bust right through. But we did that for hours. And. And then at the very end of it, people started getting really rowdy and someone decided to start breaking that writers table and that table got folded into fifteen thousand different pieces it was a very old shitty table but we i did not i was like kind of running from it because i was so afraid of the destructive part of a party i too good a girl for that i was going to get in trouble and these guys were getting rowdy and they started stepping on it and stomping it and laughing and folding it and it just became just a pile of rubble and uh, we got in huge trouble the next day. I was the only one that showed up to clean up with our little cleaning lady, and we just cleaned the you know tried to clean it up, but it was just
5: red punch Somebody everywhere. Threw and threw up in a sweatshirt and left it at Carson Daly's door. Yes, someone <laughs> threw up. Yeah, someone. Yeah, I know. someone. I remember that party because I was working quietly in my oh, office. God. That's how my life goes. Good Lord, sober. Well, I computer. was cleaning I kept, I would the next come by day every like hour or so during the party. Cause I would go to the printer or whatever, and be like, what the hell is going on? It would just get worse <laughs> yeah. every time.
4: Wow. That's, I mean, that
6: sounds like a fun office if, yeah. if slightly dangerous. Yeah. We used to have an awful lot of fun. It, it's very much like a dorm in, yeah. in that, uh, in the, in those offices. And, uh, And much like a dorm, you're always afraid everyone's having more fun in their dorm room. You know, you're walking by like hearing laughter. You think
5: you're the only one studying for finals and everyone is is partying.
6: You'd be like knocking and going, what's up, guys? (laughs) Trying to join in. There's a lot of desperation, but a lot of fun. And then cheese shows up and it gets a bit... Yeah, and cheese -hmm. cheese shows up and things, you know, somebody puts an eye out. (laughs) (laughs) So
4: what is an ideal party for you now? Because I'm sort of starting to reach an age where I like at the weekend to just sort of have a cup of tea in oh, the early that's nights, nice. you know?
5: Yeah. I go to a, a New Year's Eve party every year that partly as a joke, but partly because they're geniuses, ends at 11. Yeah. <gasps> and it's the greatest party because you go and it's like fun and then and you go home and you so go to bed. Good. It's so good that's so good so I, my, I would like to do a party that was in like a windowless room so you thought it was 4 in the morning but then when you come out it's like 7.40 oh, that's so p.m. Good.
4: <laughs> so am I right in thinking this film is based on your, on your teenage journals
5: it was
6: inspired by the difference in my sister and myself my sister's journal was always full of romance and make out sessions with her boyfriend she was madly in love with. And mine was about a lot of science kits and my, my house plants portraits and of your beagle portraits of my beagle that I was drawing. And I would say, I, I'm very pleased with this one. And I really <laughs> enjoy drawing. It just really helps me express my emotions. And, you know, all of it was really just frustration with not being touched, but, um, <laughs> uh, my sisters just always had that kind of thing you want in a in a teen diary, yeah. you know. I'm madly in love and all those things. So, I I really tried to power through and be optimistic and and you know excited about every sunrise.
4: Uh, Tina, this is your first film with Amy Poehler in...
5: Seven years. Seven years. Is
4: it going to be another seven years before we see you going to make a
5: film every seven years. Every seven years. It's part of a larger um, documentary on aging. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, we'll see. It's by the same director that did Boyhood. It's by by, Michael Apted. Um, Yeah, it's like Boyhood. (laughs) It's called Cronism. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time because we both were doing our TV shows mm-hmm. uh, in between, and we didn't really have the time. Uh, but this is uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again. Hopefully it'll be sooner than seven years. Mm-hmm. Cause it's amazing it's- now
6: all the all the ladies that were on at the shoot in the movie and they've all had these beautiful children and they're they're all you know some of them are getting quite old now these children and they'd all be there together and I would
5: just look at all of them and remember holding those little babies when they were born and it, it just you get a really good picture with all how was it, like eight or nine of them yeah between me and Amy and Maya and
6: Rachel George all the little SNL babies all fathered by Lauren Michaels <laughs>
5: But no, literally. Only literally.
6: <laughs> that's, that's in the medically,
5: just, just genetically and medically.
6: <laughs>
5: Not emotional.
6: No emotional connection whatsoever, but medically, spermatically. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Tina, you, you and Amy are obviously very close. Um, there's a scene in this film where you share a bath together. Yep. Is there anything that you wouldn't do together? Is there a line that you wouldn't cross?
5: Um... We've never had a hardcore sex scene with each other, like a yeah. it, like full interview. Blue is the warmest color, kind of like <laughs> I, like I bite your rubber labia, <laughs> your prosthetic that labia. Real, that
6: wasn't a real sex scene.
5: No, I didn't see it, but um, I did. It wasn't real, and I, I don't know that we would do that. But I, other than that, I don't know. Like well, I think, like, I bet she would. Like if there was a scene in a movie where I was supposed to perform surgery on her, and I was like, "Let me really do it," she'd be like. I'll do it like, okay, one time in the master, you can do surgery on <laughs> we'll me. We'll nail it in the one take, take, but you can gut me in one take.
4: <laughs> so this film in seven years, we're going to see hardcore sex and hardcore surgery. Hardcore sex
6: yeah. while performing surgery. on sex surgery. It's about two high-powered surgeons that are <laughs>
5: secretly on, on married. A,
6: on an island, both get sick and have to perform surgery on each other.
5: <laughs> on their anniversary, so they also have to have sex. <laughs> <laughs>
6: they
4: have to they have to this, this film is out this weekend in this country in the US it's out on the same day as a film called Star Wars yes, yes. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this going film going
6: down Star Wars <laughs> bye Star Wars bye, bye
5: Felicia Wars
4: <laughs> <laughs> so who do you think will win the box office war
5: I think the Rebel Alliance will win that's Star Wars yes <laughs> <laughs> that's not a metaphor for us sure that's Star Wars yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean Rebel Alliance
4: <laughs> Liz Lemon is obviously a huge Star Wars fan yes. uh, would she be in the line already queuing up
5: Liz Lemon would know that she had to support women in comedy yeah. she would buy a ticket for sisters and then sneak in to see Star Wars yeah. first which I'm fine with if people want to do it that way too yeah. and then just come back and just see back sisters and see again yeah, yeah.
4: Okay. I mean, it's why not both? It's a great double bill.
6: Yeah.
4: yeah. Hashtag really you can see
5: them pretend both. Pretend
6: it's the same movie, it's just in two parts. Mm-hmm.
4: Did you consider having more sort of TIE fighter dogfights in your movie?
5: <laughs> <laughs> more than the four that, there, that are in there? No, <laughs> yeah. that would be excessive. <laughs> two got cut.
4: Two got cut, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think that's all we've got
0: time
6: for. All right, thanks. thanks. for so This thank was you fun. So much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Again Incredible interview there With Tina Fey and Paula Pell. That actually hasn't happened At the time of recording this (laughs) But I'm led to believe It will be incredible
1: It will have been amazing
0: It will have been amazing Okay let's start The review section of the show With Grandma Should we start with Grandma Yes Starring Lily Tomlin Last week's guest
1: Old ladies first Lily Tomlin is amazing in this she plays Elle whose granddaughter turns up one day her name is Sage she's played by the very good Julia Garner and she turns up looking for money to have an abortion she's only 15 she's pregnant she has found a reasonably priced abortion but she still needs the funds to cover it and she is scared to go to her formidable mother Mm -hmm. played by Marcia Gay Harden so the pair Mm -hmm. go on a sort of mini road trip to find the funds because Elle herself doesn't have any money and has accidentally cut up her credit cards to make into a wind chime Mm -hmm. yes she's that kind of person. But as we meet her, she's also going through her own problems, which kind of in many ways dwarf sages. Elle has just broken up with her girlfriend, played by Judy Greer, in one of her better roles this year. She's been in a lot of thankless, thankless roles this year. And she's still frankly mourning her wife of, you know, twenty or thirty years who died a couple of years beforehand. And they basically it's it's a sort of a little road trip movie. They go around just going to old friends, old acquaintances, old enemies in one case, trying to get the funds together that they need for this procedure. And that's Basically, it. There's not much else in the way of plot. It's a, it's a pretty simple kind of road trip kind of mission movie, I guess. What's good about it is just that the characters are so vivid. I mean, you feel like all of these people are real people, and it's almost like it's not quite watching a documentary, it doesn't have that feel to it, but it does feel like everybody just carries on with their lives after mm-hmm. we leave them because they are fully realized human beings that we just happen to be seeing for 15 minutes at a time. I That's- think part of that is the fact that it's one of the more Sort of uh, diverse, interesting casts and casts of characters that we've had in a while, you know. Um, some people are lesbians. No big deal. Some people are uh, transgender. No big deal. It, it's just that's part of the kind of the tapestry of the lives that we see in this film.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of hot button topics over there. This, this wouldn't be Donald Trump's favourite film no. of 2015, but uh, you know, it treats him with a sensitivity and, and and doesn't really make an, a huge deal out of it. That's
1: absolutely fair. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no big deal really at all. It's just these are things that happen to people and they go on with their lives and they go on being you know, we're trying to be, you know, good people. I think it's it's interesting, actually, because Elle has this great mix of idealism on one hand. You know, she's she's clearly a kind of old school hippie. She reads, you know, all this, all, the, all of this literature. She's into her feminist thinkers and all this kind of stuff. And then on the other hand, she's completely cynical and very bitter at the world. And it's, you know, it's one of those kind of mixes that, that makes her feel like a real person. Lily Tomlin is amazing and she's on such Mm. a role like right now grace and frankie who who could not be less like l such a good show but but you know it's a completely different character but it's at the same time it just has so much of her sharpness and her evident intelligence and her Mm. gift for comedy timing is astonishing
0: so uh she's behind the wheel most of the time
1: quite literally so
0: she's l driver
1: <laughs> she is, I guess, L Driver, yes. Uh, but we should mention uh, this was written and directed by Paul Weitz, who's, who's, I think, on his best form in years here. Um, this, is, this is about a boy levels of charm and humanity and, and wit. I think it's really, really good. Uh, props as well to Sam Elliott, who despite being shorn of his magnificent moustache, which should be a crime took, against humanity. Took five
0: men three days. <laughs> and he, they went through 27 hacksaws <laughs> just to um, make it happen.
1: And it shouldn't have happened. But anyway, but he is still extremely good. He's he's only on one scene, but he's uh, he's kind of nicknamed the Ogre, which gives you some idea of his role in proceedings. But you just
0: know that his moustache goes back in like a, a minute.
1: Yeah, yeah, they had to keep keep shaving it between takes. Yeah. It? yeah, that's right.
0: Sometimes during takes. <laughs> Sometimes during it was really takes. really upsetting that
1: you can at one point hear the razor starting up.
0: Yeah. Hold still, Sam! No!
1: But no, honestly, uh, I can't recommend Grandma h- highly enough. I gave it four stars. I could have made you it You could have higher.
2: recommended it more highly. <laughs> I could. You're right. You're right.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: dear. Uh, you know, Helen, I'm cool. going to give you some props as a very good review you wrote there for the Empire magazine. Oh, thank you. Oh. Ah. A very good, good review. Really nice. Phil, yes. Tell me about Hector. Okay.
2: Um, well, Hector is a. It's Peter. It's a very much a Peter Mullen movie. Peter He's the central Mullen? character. Plays a, a, a Scotsman called Hector McAdam, uh, who is basically who's basically suffered a tragedy. It's an unsort of un an unspecified tragedy in his life, which has put him on the streets. So we meet him and a small sort of coterie of his mates going down the offy them Lagos. He's clearly got a kind heart and looks out for other people. He's got a kind of a, a nurturing spirit. So he's a very likable Peter Mullen performance. At no point does he brutally beat anyone to death. <laughs> and he gives this film a lot of its heart and soul. It's the work of, as we talked about in the interview, Jake Gavin, who's a first time director and a long established photographer. So there's some beautiful uh, landscapes and great photography in this film. As you watch Hector travelling south from Scotland, from Glasgow to Liverpool, and then down to London, where he wants to go to the sort of crisis-style Christmas shelter. Um, so it's kind of a Christmas movie of sorts. Mm. It ends. It ends at Christmas time, but it's really a journey back into Hector's past. So you find out what led him to where he is now, and um, you know where he might go from there. Really, um, he's got a bad limp and a medical issue um, which is kind of slightly glossed over in the film so you're not quite sure but it seems like he may not have long for this world um, as he tries to meet his long estranged sister um, who's played by Gina McKee have we given it three stars it's mm-hmm. it's likeable it's a gentle film it's very sensitive it's a sensitive film about homelessness a subject which sort of appears quite sporadically in 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 cinema you know Midnight Cowboy covers the sort of the the, the margins of society in quite an edgy way um mm-hmm. carla 's song Ken Loach has been there before again mm-hmm. fairly edgy fairly hard hitting This is not quite as punchy as that it 's a little bit more gentle, a bit more sort of angel share Ken Loach would be a good reference point for this one um, but uh, Peter Mullen is such a good actor and he brings a lot of soul a lot of warmth to this guy, and you really care about the character and it's a film full of sort of heart and compassion. We've given it three stars, but there's a lot
0: to like in it. Very much a recommendation. It's Not a sequel to Hector in the Search for Happiness.
2: Hector in the Search for Christmas.
0: You <laughs> that, could say.
1: That of does sorts. make it sound like a sequel. Yeah, it does. It's not. It? Just okay, he's
2: not searching for anything. He's just, well, he is sort of searching. Anyway, never mind. It's not a sequel. <laughs> it's not a sequel to that, no. I don't
0: know. Every time with Hector played by a different person. Mm-hmm. Amazing. A la Bond. Yeah. That'd be great. It's yeah. better than in the Search for Happiness Okay, three stars then uh, for Hector and that brings us on then to the other film starring this week's guest um, Sisters
1: Yes, so this is the uh, long-awaited at least by me a reunion of Amy Poehler and Tina Fey uh, and they play sisters uh, with art there reflecting life I like to think um, So Amy Poehler yeah. is Mara, who's, uh, Maura who's the shy one she's um, just a little bit Especially around men, she's a little bit less than forthcoming, let's say. And Tina Fey is Kate, who could not be less not forthcoming, in that sense, and is uh, is uh, never has any money, but is intent on enjoying her life, I think it's fair to say. Um, so they discover that their parents are selling the family home where they grew up, and they decide to have one last party before it goes. So this is obviously the kind of thing that teenagers are supposed to do, not middle-aged ladies. And they have a little bit of trouble, you know, persuading all of their old friends that they should maybe abandon their growing up responsibilities for a night and really let loose. So the first part of the film is a real slow burn. And to be honest, it's it's not as funny as one would like it to be. But when the party starts, things get very, very crazy, very, very fast. And it basically becomes like animal house but with your parents kind of thing there is so property like, damage
2: like dean wormer for throwing a massive
1: throwing back. a massive rager yeah exactly rager. Um, <laughs> thank you. i'm trying to sound like the kids you know uh yeah the sisters ha- have a fight the house is falling down there's loads of property damage it, it upsets my neat and tidy heart um everybody gets quite filthy um quite a lot of drugs suddenly come into the picture hey. everything goes a bit wrong yes we don't approve say no kids two drugs um, but it at least gets very funny so that's the main thing so in the end despite the sort of slow opener we gave this three stars because it did make us laugh quite a bit
0: it's just, it, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are amazing if you could put them together they'd create the perfect woman Amy Fahler Te- Tina Pofe. no <laughs> T- Tina anyway Pe- they're awesome is what I'm trying to say uh, so yeah good 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 three stars recommendation so that's it for the films we're going to discuss in depth this week also out this week is Rise of the Foot Soldier which we gave two stars to so avoid that one and sadly you should probably also avoid unless of course you are a completist By the Sea which is the third film from Angelina Sholi as a director she has now of course changed her name to Angelina Sholy Pitt and this one she stars alongside her husband Bradley I believe that's his name, uh, and they play a married couple in the 19- who are going through a tumultuous time. Their marriage isn't really in trouble in nineteen seventies France. And unfortunately, we thought this was the, um, if you will, the the, the pits, mm. and we gave oh. it two stars. Uh, so check it out if you if you like pretty people yelling at each other. If if you don't, two stars. That's it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more formulated fun in the last regular podcast of the year, but we'll be joined by... Who? Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, star of Daddy's Home, and Tom Hooper, director of The Danish Girl and Brian Clough, quote, appropriator. So, uh, sadly, the little interviews happen, so we can't can't shakuz him, but, you know, still. It's, it's good. Good interviews. Do check them out. Uh, do come back. Uh, don't forget, of course, the Chris Macquarie Spoiler Special, which is out now. Uh, the Star Wars one is coming up. We're going to have a review of the year towards the end of the year and uh, a Peep Show, a farewell to Peep Show podcast with its co creators, Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong. That'll be out in the next. The uh, final episode's out next week. I can't believe it. Peep Show ends next week.
1: But Star Wars begins. The Force, Chris, awakens
0: <laughs> Mark and Jez go to sleep. Super hands goes to sleep and then the force awakens that's it it's all part of the great circle of life uh, so do keep your uh, ears peeled for those as well until then it is goodbye from Helen toodaloo it's goodbye from Phil cheerio and it's goodbye from me I am off to write a screenplay for the legend of Marsan because god damn it I want that film in my life <laughs> see you next week